and welcome back to the Observation Deck. Yes, hi Thomas, how are you? I don't know, I yeah. exist. Yeah, I, I exist as well. Okay, so, what is, what is our topic for this week? Well, I think you sent me a meme. Yes, I about did. About climate change. Yes, or, I Sorry, did. specifically about... The carbon tax. Yes. Yes, and in Canada. I said, I think you missed the mark. I, alright, just so our, our listeners... Why don't you put it as the backdrop for this? I could do that. Well, uh, even give some context. Yeah, it would. But I don't think okay. Just in case, like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I don't think have allowed different pos- background images. Like they use a set art piece. But here's what it is: it's the giant freighter that got stuck in the Suez Canal, the Evergreen, labeled as China's greenhouse gas emissions, and then the and the digger that is trying the single digger, the picture the of excavator. it, the excavator digging it out, says Justin Trudeau's carbon tax, which in hindsight is even funnier now because that strategy worked and they got it free. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think, which I think is stupid, but I think the point still stands. And the, my reasoning about the cl- about the carbon tax is that I think it's a stupid. It, I think the idea of a carbon tax isn't necessarily bad, but when you tax everybody who uses carbon and not the people who are distributing it specifically, then it just nobody's going to be able to change. Like, but China isn't distributing it. They're well, just producing yes. a lot of CO2. And that leads me to the second point, is that if you look at global CO2 emissions, lots of Western countries could stay exactly the same if China adopted how much per capita uh, pollution the rest of the Western world uses. or the, You know what I mean. Like, if China's rates were lowered to be on par with everyone else's, climate action would look very different because we'd have to do a lot less. Yes. Because oh, China is, I think... Last I saw, China and India are like 90% of global emissions. Currently. Currently, yeah, obviously, currently. Because there's also the fact that we have also industrialized already. Mm -hmm. And that's actually something I saw a while ago was a point why we can reduce our carbon emissions. It's because we've already industrialized and we've already become rather... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've developed much more efficient processes already because we've had that... mm -hmm. We've had the time... But that's uh, not really the point here. My point is, is that, you know, it's funny for considering you called me such a globalist. I did not call you a globalist. In regards to the Commonwealth, whenever we talk about it. Yes. Okay. You know what? I will. I don't think I've ever used the word globalist. Yes, you did. Well, you said, Thomas, you are much more globalist than I intended, than I thought. Sorry. Yes, that is true. I didn't call you a globalist because you are not, but you are much more. But I find it kind of funny that. You use China as an excuse for why we shouldn't limit our own. Limiting our own isn't a... Ba- it's... We cannot impose regulations on a sovereign nation. We yes, can only, obviously. As a coalition of other... With other nations, use political pressure to force them... Also trade. Well, yeah, but... I would call that more economic pressure than political yeah. pressure, at least. But anyway, as I was saying, we, you know, you have to put pressure on them... To do that, we cannot do that. But we also have to take our own stones to limit our own carbon. Yes, I don't necessarily know if that's correct. Be- okay, the picture I have in my mind is picture a ship, like you're yeah. in the bottom of a ship, and it's being there's two there's two holes in the ship, right? One's like a giant meter, one meter in diameter hole that's spewing water in, mm-hmm. and the other one is like a cent a centimeter in diameter, and it's dribbling water in. Which one do you plug? You have to plug the big one first. Well, the first one you'll never go into plug. You're already fucked. Well, yes, that but that's besides the. It's a really big boat. Let's call it. That. <laughs> I you use you, you wipe that smug look 
But okay, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, there's a clear yeah. the clear problem is not Canada's carbon emissions. But, the clear problem is other people's. And yes, but you go if ahead. Go ahead. You, okay, you're working on a sector, and it is only spewing out, we'll say, a liter every hour. And there's another sector that's spewing out fifty. That's taking on fifty liters mm-hmm. every hour. Mm-hmm. But the people in that sector aren't doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Think about what's going to happen when you say, okay, guys, can you help working? They're going to say, well, why don't you patch yours first? You need to have the moral high ground. Otherwise, they can just deflect. Well, yes, but isn't isn't us having... I guess the issue with the analogy that I used is that those are two things that happen that are not, like, they didn't... You, weren't, you were not the cause of them. Yes. Right? Because we already have much lower carbon emissions on a per capita than China. So doesn't that give us the moral high ground? Yearly. Yes. Because when you dig into our past, we put out a hell of a lot more than we used to than we do now. Yeah, you're right. But I still... I don't know. I haven't looked at past, like, into the 20th century past. Because, like, usually basing current policy, you'd want to look at... more the 19th and, to an extent, the 20th. But yes. Yeah. So, but even then, we're out of that now. So why are we, do we, do we not have the moral high ground simply through the nature of we have significantly lower carbon emissions as is? Yes, but we also use that to get to the position we are now. We used our carbon to get us where we are. They're going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But After all, China itself admits at, by 2040 they're going to peak, and then once they peak, they can start reducing. In fairness, though, when we were coming up and the re- when the rest of the world was coming up there were not these other technologies that existed like nuclear power was not a thing that's a fair point and that's something we should yes we'll touch on nuclear power in a minute but like you know in a bit but even so like wind farms hydroelectric power solar ew. panels bird blenders ew inefficient just put a cage panels. around them <laughs> and that's not a serious proposal don't worry i'm just being not, sarcastic like every time i hear it my my heart sinks just a little Just bit put more. a little mesh around them, you know, like they do for fans. It'll work. I mean, it would. <laughs> but anyway. For all of five seconds before the immense weight causes it to fail. Or, you know, some buddy goes, ooh, free steel. Yeah, that's, that's something else I've recently discovered is mm-hmm. burial sites. Mm-hmm. Like from World War One, World War Two, like underwater ones. Uh-huh. Because you know how they have yeah, like, yeah. ships. Yeah, people have been literally just... Ripping apart those freighters and salvaging them. Hmm. That is absolutely reprehensible in my opinion. I don't know about that. It's not bothering anybody. Uh, Hold on. You say barrel sites. You mean like where ships were sank? Yes. Okay. You have like hundreds of thousands of bodies in these ships. Like they are going into the scrapyards with uh, human remains. Oh, okay. Well, that. Burying them in a mass grave. I did not understand that. I thought it was like people going downstairs and ripping the. Down. Downstairs. People going underwater and ripping the ships apart underwater. I think that's fine. Oh, yeah. They are doing that. But isn't. And that's that's fine, though, right? Like people going down and ripping the ships apart. Yeah. In theory, that's fine. But. Whether. Yeah. The wholesale just taking the whole ship out and then being like, eh, we got some bodies we got to deal with now. That's not exactly. uh, But anyway, that's besides the point. So, we're right. Where were we? Uh, green energy. Back when we were in the Industrial Revolution, and we were burning carbon like it was air, yeah. you know, like we were going yeah, through yeah, it ridiculously yeah, yeah. fast, we didn't have these other options. But now, we do. there are lots of other options. And I feel True. like, especially with Canada, we are carbon negative 
on average, because we have such a large forest. Yeah, but the problem is, that kind of brings into what I coined the carbon cycle, which is a whole other can of worms. Mm-hmm. Because, unfortunately, and this is something a lot of even climate activists either don't mention or don't understand, mm-hmm. is carbon dioxide is a bitch of a thing to get out of the atmosphere. And it's a bitch of a thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Because everything on this planet revolves around it. And as a result, essentially what we as humans have been doing when we burn our fossil fuels is we take carbon that's been out of the carbon cycle and releasing it back into the air. Yeah, because it's it's previous mm-hmm. things that are trapped underground. Yeah. So essentially, saying we're carbon neutral or even carbon negative kind of misses, again, misses the point. Because eventually, those forests will die and release all that carbon back into the atmosphere, which will then... And that's is, the, is that the cycle that you're talking about? Yeah, so essentially, normally, and this is why I also think agriculture... Is that your disk drive? Yeah, it is. You should pop, pop it out. Oh, sure, it stops now. So, uh, my computer's having a bit of issues at the moment. Yes. Apologies for that swarm of bees that we heard. As well as, uh, we may have lost a bit of (laughs) recording. Maybe. So, as I was attempting to explain... Yes, the trees that we have now eventually will die, but yes, they will also plant new trees. Yeah, but uh, I was saying something about agriculture. Mm -hmm. When people talk about agriculture, it kind of missed the point, because we don't count breathing... As it because that is a part of the carbon cycle. When I breathe out, it will be taken in by a plant, turned into glucose, eaten, and turned into carbon dioxide again. Yes, and but now obviously there's more uh, cycles. Yeah, obviously though you can take if there's more plants than humans, you have some breathing room because the plant because there are more plants, they will yeah. take more carbon out of the atmosphere than the humans will breathe in breathe yes. out. Right. But here's the thing: you also then have to to get rid of that carbon. You essentially have to forcibly bury. All those trees to get rid of the carbon. I think trees live a... Not really. Even if they live a thousand years, when they die, that'll all get released right back up. Trees are a temporary solution. They are not the solution. Okay. They are a band-aid to be put on an artery. Interesting. Yeah. That's why I yeah. use... Uh, that, that's why I use... Uh, I say charcoal is technically carbon neutral. Because whilst it is... Carbon, it's carbon that is in the carbon cycle. Well, I guess it also depends how much of the car... Okay, when a tree... The the carbon dioxide a tree takes out of the air Mm -hmm. does not just get stuck in the tree as carbon dioxide. It's not like a tree takes, like... Let's say a a big tree... it's turned into glucose. Yeah, let's say a tree that lives 100 years takes a ton of carbon out of the Mm -hmm. air. That's probably not true, but let's just use it. Actually, technically, it's cellulose because it's a tree. Yeah, But, but let's just take those numbers. Right? When the tree dies, the tree doesn't have a ton of carbon dioxide to release back into the carbon cycle. No. It has cellulose, which then gets eaten by bacteria, plants, animals. Mm-hmm. Mostly, uh, like, things like beetles, weevils, and whatnot else mm-hmm. that will burrow into it and use it all up. So trees are still, then, they still, trees still take more carbon out of the air than they will release when they die. Not... Not really. No, they will. At least in the, in the form of carbon di- carbon dioxide and carbon Most emissions, of that will get yeah, used up though, and get re released. But it won't get released back into the atmosphere, which is the important part. Possibly, but you also have to remember, even excrement, mm-hmm. like even the stuff that was used, will get turned into CO two in something's excrement when another bacteria goes in and eats that. Okay. 
Carbon is a very hard thing to get rid of, and the only way to really get rid of it? Create life. No. Well, that's that, that uses life. it. Yeah. Bury life. Well. Like, you, the reason we have oil stores and whatnot else is because there was a mass extinction that got covered in a lot of yeah. sediment very quickly. Yep. But even still, right? I mean, there is the question as to what, whether we should consider carbon emissions on a global scale and trees, like carbon carbon absorption mm-hmm. from trees on a global scale, or whether we should consider it on a per-country scale. I personally lean towards the per-country because I think that, you know what, it, it A, incentivizes planting more trees, which is always a good thing, in my opinion. Well, okay, not always. There are some circumstances where it's not good, but most of the time, more trees is good. But the problem is, a lot of the time when people are just planting trees, they're just going out and putting pine trees in the ground, which works for if you're going to make paper out of it in, you know, 50 years, mm-hmm. but... It really doesn't do anything for forests. It just creates a space of trees and only trees. Well, yeah, but then... They aren't a good forest. Yeah, that's fair. So not pine trees, maple trees. There we go. Yeah, but then you just have the same problem, but with maple trees, and instead of 50 <laughs> years, it takes 150. So what you're saying, then, is it should be diversified across multiple different types of trees? Yes. Like, you know, actually make a proper forest. Yeah. But that takes time, and it yeah. costs a hell of a lot more. And I think that then... And even then, we still run into the issue that, you know, if we plant five acres of trees, they might be able to take out a ton of uh, of carbon dioxide, because I actually did the math once. Some, yeah, some it's, amount of carbon dioxide over the course of the next year or two years, hundred years, whatever. Two and a half gigatons a year. Mm-hmm. Not megatons, gigatons. I, know. I think you underestimate how many trees there million. are. I think you underestimate how many trees there are. There are a boatload of trees i understand there's a boatload of trees but again those trees will die and they will put that carbon right back into the atmosphere they won't not into the atmosphere unless you burn them they will they will go back into the ecosystem yes you're right but it won't go into the atmosphere the way that burning fossil fuels does yes what in that pasta what do you do when you eat what does your body do when it eats pasta digests it absorbs the nutrients that it needs and it gets rid of the stuff that it doesn't. Right. Now, what is it mostly looking for? Specifically to fuel your body. Calories. Calories. What are calories? Energy. Yes, but just saying you're getting energy from it is foolish. Because mm-hmm. it's actually looking for a very particular molecule. In this case, it's glucose. Okay. That glucose then gets taken by your ATP mm-hmm. and gets turned into water and carbon dioxide. Therefore, in a sense, you have burned the wheat that was in there. Yeah, but not all of it. Not all of it, no. But again, when you excrete it, bacteria will get into your excrement mm-hmm. and use that. But then how does life continue to grow? But then by, by, the process of, by the process of population expansion in both plants and humans, then carbon emissions, by that logic, just balloon and be worse and worse and worse. Because more no, things live, because... more things die. More things live, more things die. Yes. And then there's more accepts. Go ahead, explain. There is only so much carbon that can exist in the carbon cycle because we've taken it out. We'll assume we aren't burning any fossil fuels because that... Complicates things because you burning fossil fuels is much more efficient at getting carbon into the atmosphere than other means. When you clear area of dense brush... Trees, yeah. To You burn it to get your fuel, which releases carbon dioxide. You eat maybe some of the berries that were there, and then you make a farm. And that helps soak up some of the carbon. The carbon that you will then eat to put it out so you can do it again next year. 
It's a cycle, and it's uh, much like the water cycle. There are basins and bastions everywhere where it can sit for years. Okay, yes, but... But it will always that doesn't cycle a- through. That doesn't account for population growth. Because that farmer, who now has created the farm and now soaks up the carbon that he used and is carbon neutral, let's say, air quotes, what if he has two sons and two daughters? And then they both go, each, each well, of them... they have to eat more carbon, which is why the farm grows. The more the farm grows, the more... I understand. I see what you're talking about. Okay. We essentially... It's kind of like energy cannot be created and destroyed. Same principle, but mm-hmm. kind of with carbon dioxide. Yeah. You're taking more energy out, in this case, if we're clear-cutting a forest to make room for more farmland, so we can have more carbon mm-hmm. to make more plants, more room to make more plants, more carbon in the air to grow the plants, but, but so more long carbon as we... for us to eat to excrete it back out. So long as we continue to... Keep maintain the cycle, and I'm not not saying that where we're at now is is a sustainable mm-hmm. amount as far as the cycle. It might be, might not be. I that's a very complicated question to ask. But planting more trees and just continually planting more trees into the future, so that they still continue even as they die to absorb more carbon than they like. Let's say for for example, for every tree, you forget we're in a that, closed system, Noah. Not necessarily. Well. Yes. And we are the only things adding stuff into that closed system. In the case of more oxygen, or sorry, carbon, that's been out of the cycle for years. Okay. That's the issue. Is we can't outgrow the amount of carbon we have. So then, if there's carbon that's out of the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. How do we remove it? How do we take more carbon and put it back out of, put it out of the cycle to displace it? Well, that's a good question. And as I said, <laughs> the only way to really do it is to clear cut some trees and bury them back down in the coal mines where you got the coal from. And then you have to pressurize it and make sure no bacteria can get into it to, main sure, hmm. to maintain and make sure that that cellulose mm-hmm. turns into coal again. Okay. And take it out of the atmosphere. That's why I say trees are a band-aid on an artery. They'll stop the problem, they'll stop the bleeding. But you, you want a permanent solution. solution. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could always just take off the band-aid and put another one on. And just we could just continually do that over and over. <laughs> yes, but that's not practical. <laughs> uh, it's, well, I do understand then. Yeah. That makes it makes sense that we are taking stuff that's buried underground and hasn't been part of the cycle where it's like, oh, humans just use the trees to burn. It goes in the atmosphere, trees, take it out, and yeah. then humans burn trees, tree, plant more trees, so on and so on and so on and mm-hmm. so on. Tree. Make more tree. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Well, then the question is... Well, I guess... How does... Okay, so tie it back to the carbon tax. Yeah. If... The the point that I would like to make about the carbon tax is that it it doesn't do anything. On the contrary, it does. What does it do? Well, it's another tax, and it makes huh. someone like me, because I am a very profit-driven person, as I'm sure you as know. Most, as most people are, I would imagine. When the carbon tax was into effect, it raises the price of oil and my use of it. And gasoline, specifically. Well, specifically, gasoline, I think, is the place most people feel it when the carbon tax goes gas, up. But yeah. yeah, and heating, yeah. But the point is, I look at that and I go, okay, uh, 
I guess I won't drive all that often. I'll start taking my bike to work, which mm-hmm. I do in the summers. Yeah. Well, I'll start doing this and that. Yeah. And I'll start using less and less gas, which That's is precisely fair. the point of it. But you have the option to do that. There are yes. loads and loads and loads and loads of people who are now simply being charged more for living the same when they don't really have another choice. Or at least well, why are they, they forced to live the same? They do have a choice, but the choice becomes then completely changing their entire lifestyle. Or pretend like okay, you're lucky because you live relatively close to your work. Fair. I'm lucky because I also live relatively close to my work. If I got told I had to bike to work, I could. If I got told I had to bike to university every day, that's like a hour. That's an hour bike ride at least to get from true where I live to the university I go to. But you're lucky you have a light rail transit. Yes. Light rail transit isn't carbon neutral either. Well, I mean, it does run off of the electricity, doesn't it? Yes, and most but of our electricity is like nuclear 66% power. nuclear. I thought it was 50. I didn't realize it was higher than 50. Oh, yeah, no. And most of... Uh, well, I mean, okay. props to Ontario, because when Ontario is like way better than other provinces, but... When we aren't drawing in, it's 66%... I mean, I mean, because we do... We are grid, includes both uh, Quebec, uh, Minnesota, not Minnesota. New York. New York and a bunch of other states. Yeah, right. These, yeah, yeah. I remember the, the blackout back in like 02 yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. The, well, that lasted anyway. like three days because there was a main power grid failure. Yep. But anyway, that, we're not drawing in. We produce about 66% off of nuclear. I think it's 10% off of wind, 16% off of hydro, and a some... I don't think we... I think hydro's lower now because they, they don't they don't use the Niagara Falls I, plant anymore, do they? When last I checked the report, they had a pretty high one. If you want, we can check it now. Uh, yeah, sure. Because they do quarterly reports mm-hmm. on their amounts. Well, but anyway, as you were saying. Yeah. The car, like, okay. People who cannot, like, people who drive to work. Like, like, let's say someone lives in Waterloo, works in Guelph. At, like, a factory, right? If they own a car and they have to go there, they they can't, it's not easy for them to just up and move to Guelph, necessarily. Especially with the housing market being the way it is, as you get further and further east, the houses get more expensive until you hit Toronto and then it's like, good luck buying anything. Um, so there are lots of people who are now just having to, their life is being more expensive, being made more expensive so that the government can make more money. And I think there's also something fundamentally wrong with the government profiting off of, it's like, why is the government strategy, hey, we're going to charge people for more for carbon but we're going to take the extra revenue like if you cared about it you'd instead more directly subsidize well i thought that was the point wasn't it i'm i'm not too sure about specifically where all the money goes but you would think instead of a tax you would make it it's, I think it's better to make things cheaper for the people who are doing it rather than to make it more expensive for the people who aren't yes but where do you get the money for that rebate noah by cutting government spending of course i mean <laughs> no, well, well, I'm speaking very let's broadly. Say, let's yes. say, for instance, I know it's not, but let's say the bureaucracy is 100% perfect. Yeah, it's well, not, it never will be. Never will be. But let's pretend. You have made it as efficient as you can make it. Yes. Now, what happens when you want to in, in, when you want to institute another rebate? What do you do? You don't. You instead, when you, in, okay, I don't mean you don't. Let me, you consider what you are currently spending money for. Find something to you that does not matter as much as a carbon, a, let's call it a green energy rebate or something along those lines, okay? If it's yeah, truly... Sorry, here it is. 
Okay. Nuclear, 60.9%. Hydro, 26.7%. Wow, that's higher than I expected. Wind, oh wow, it was... Wind's way higher than I expected. Uh, 6.9. Nice. Gas, 4.4. Biofuel, 0.2. Solar, 0.8. What about geothermal? We don't have geothermal hotspots in Ontario. There's one, like, right on the 401, isn't it? Not that I'm aware of. What's the one in Halton Hills? You know, when you're driving to Toronto, on the left-hand side, it's the power plant. I thought that was geothermal. Maybe it's biofuel. Could be biofuel, or I think what you're thinking of is the transfer station. Maybe I am thinking, you know, right on the 401, on the left-hand side, there's the sign for it. Yeah, by Milton, yeah. Yeah, that's a transfer station where they take it from extreme high voltage to the Milton power Okay, okay, I thought... So I'm not getting, you know, 3,000 volts into my house. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as long as you have the resistance for it. Yeah, yeah, let's try not not shunt a house, thank you. Yeah, that'd that'd be quite funny. I remember that conversation. Noah, I'd like to not shunt my house, thank you. Yes, that was that was quite a conversation. But, <laughs> but anyway. okay, back. I think that it's... I don't know. I have yet to see any rebates to people who are doing green things, like, on the level of the carbon... You know what I mean? Like, if the carbon tax is going to exist, there should be an equal but opposite benefit to green energy, right? That makes sense. Like, we're going to car- charge people who are using carbon more, and we're going to give that money... To let it be cheaper for the people who are using green energy. But that's not what's happening. That is fair. And at the very least, I typically don't like taxes. Yes. But, yes. But if you're going to tax... If you're going to have taxes on things, you shouldn't be taxing the ordinary people. You shouldn't be taxing the users. You should be taxing the creators and the distributors. And that's not necessarily to do with China, obviously. That's more to do with companies here... But I do think you should be taxing them for it. And of course, things might trickle down and prices will go up, but it won't go up as well, much. That's essentially what has happened. Well, no, it's yes, but it's... That is what a carbon tax literally is. No, but the carbon tax is literally taxed on fuel that you and I buy. It's not a tax on the company that then raises the price. You are correct, but again, that puts the onus on the person. Yes, the onus. I think the onus shouldn't be on the person. If things are not okay, before we continue this, we should state both Thomas and I really, really, really like nuclear power. Yes, because it's the obvious solution that nobody talks about. Because well, it's because a lot of the time, and what they don't tell you is the gas industry funds uh, anti-nuclear propaganda. Yep. yep, yep. Well, because okay, they because, want you to be afraid yeah, of it. Because if we had got rid of every other carbon emission for like heating and other stuff and industrial uses. And we use nuclear power. Who cares about gasoline? Who cares about people driving cars? It's 2% of emissions annually. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so if you can cut out the nuclear power, like electricity doesn't Mm -hmm. cut out, doesn't cut out the other 98, but it cuts out a huge chunk of it. Well, nuclear, well, if everyone switched to nuclear, that would save us about 23% of our global emissions. Mm -hmm. Which again, out of several gigatons. Yep. That's it. That's That's quite a lot. And it's it's like at that point, then who cares about cars? Mm-hmm. And at that point, a carbon tax doesn't become. Well, I mean, we should still kind of care about. Yeah, that. we should make but... cars like not that they dump straight out and they just mm-hmm. straight up burn carbon and throw it into the atmosphere. They're still like, but we don't have to worry about. Oh, we need to ban gasoline cars. You know, mm-hmm. we don't need. That's not a conversation we need to have because our emissions allow for it. Yeah. And well, allow for it. We are reducing by quite a lot more than the car than cars are putting in. Yeah. That's but more so what I mean. 
But again, as I say, uh, we got a... Uh, the problem is that we have... That those, that two gigatons isn't just going to come out of the atmosphere. we got to find a way to take it out, and that's why carbon filtering is so big. Well, not necessarily. Well, yes, but no. Well, yeah, well, yes, but actually no. Because if we just... Okay, pretend for a second we could just freeze carbon emissions into the atmosphere. Yeah. Then obviously th there are going to be things pulling our carbon out of the atmosphere. Yes or no? Yes. So, but then that means there is some threshold where once we pass it, more carbon will be being sucked out of the atmosphere than being put into it, right? No. So that threshold is zero? Well, technically yes, because unless you're going to kill every single living being on Earth from every bacteria to okay. every... I, human. I I see I did not clarify enough. Like, I know you're talking about man-made, but the issue is... Yes. ...is that... It all comes down to, again, the cycle. Mm -hmm. Is we have carbon dioxide that shouldn't be there. Well... It's been out of the equation for millions of years. Yes. And so we have to find a way to get that out to return Gaia to what it should be. I have a solution. Send it to space. You, you, the face, ladies and gentlemen, that he is making is a face of annoyance because it's a stupid idea. And it is a really stupid idea. But it would work. How the hell would it work? That is the same idea as, oh, we'll just build a space bridge. Okay, that's stupid because structurally nothing can stand that. Yeah. But you can, like, there are ways of capturing carbon in the atmosphere. There are filters for it. Yes. So you just, Filter it out, ship it in, a, put it into a box, send it to space. Or, again, just uh, bury it in, you know, the coal mines where it came from. Well, yeah, but th this way when you send it out to space, first of all, that way you're directly... Well, I don't what know. What good is it getting yeah, mass from the planet? It's like, well, yeah, if you yeah, if you go around and you're filtering it, it doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. As long as you remove it from the... I think people people would perceive sending it to space to be much more of an effective let's get we're getting rid of carbon solution than burying it in the ground because in their minds it's still on earth so you, you trust know? the people all of a sudden no Mr. i'm i don't trust the people I'm, I'm saying the people are stupid and so by explaining it's going to space and it's not here anymore they believe you more honestly you know what I'm, i might put you in charge of marketing and do that yep because hey, i'm we're right sending it off to space buries it under the ground, buries it under the ground launches an empty rocket <laughs> We just have to make sure to pull more carbon out of the out of the, the air, air than the rocket would release. Yep. Uh, but then we pollute the atmosphere with fucking space junk. No, no, no. We just gotta shoot it out of the atmosphere, out of the out of Earth's orbit. That's the solution. Start shooting missiles at Mars. Did you know? Interesting fact, and this actually it, it is a bit of a little relevant because the, oftentimes people come up with a solution to, oh, what do we do with all this garbage we have? Someone will jokingly say, "Send it to the sun." Uh, Futurama. It's really, really hard, hard to, to hit things the... in the uh, to get things to hit the sun. Yeah. It's actually easier to go out to Pluto than it is to hit some hit the sun directly. Yeah, I mean you don't have to hit the sun directly. You just sort of gotta pass get it by close, close enough, enough that it'll burn up. Yeah, but yeah. even still, because think about it, right? If we launch a rocket, if we want to escape this or yeah, orbit, yeah, we have to ro lo the ro escape velocity is eleven kilometers a second. Yep. If I'm remembering correctly, it might be twelve. I th I'm pretty sure it's 11. That's just for something on with the Earth's mass. Yeah. The Earth is orbiting the sun. The sun's escape velocity is quite a fair bit higher. Yeah. So what it's what what you would do if you wanted to hit the sun 
you don't just look at the sun and shoot at the sun. What you do is you look away from the sun, shoot it out, and have it sort of like a a par- parabolic trajectory. You shoot it out, and it goes out, and then comes back in. And then you, it hits the sun. Yeah, because you don't want it to go into orbit around the sun. Mm-hmm. Because And because when you get that far out, mm-hmm. you're... you're oh, not orbital velocity, it's your rotational velocity, like the rate at which you're spinning around the sun. Yeah. Whilst physically you are moving the same speed, you're still moving 11 kilometers a second, let's say. Mm-hmm. You're orbiting a significantly smaller degree per second. So it's a lot easier then to go there and just... Go out there, nudge it just a little bit, and then have it fall into the sun. Yeah. Then it is here, because you'd have to nudge it really far back mm-hmm. the other way, because Earth is orbiting quite fast compared to outer planets. That's my rant about hitting the sun, because people are... Scientifically it, illiterate. Yes. It's it's a good idea, saying, let's send stuff into the sun, because the sun would burn up, and it could use the additional mass. Oh, yes. Let's kill the sun just, like, two decades earlier. Two decades into a billion years, I don't think that really matters, Thomas. I think if yeah, I if, if we are on the knife's edge of two decades will let us escape Earth versus not, then I think we're screwed either way, because they'll find some other way to get rid of those time. Well, those I mean, two if decades. we're two decades away from Earth being killed by the sun, well, like, we have well, the, the, to worry about exa- the man-made climate change. Specific, well, specifically the fact that the saltwater oceans would have boiled off by then. Well, that's what I'm counting Yes, as, like, the two decades of, well, our oceans are boiling away, so we've yep. got... Yep. 50 minutes. Let's come up with a plan, 50, gang. 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the solution is to just send it off out of the earth, out of, out of the, out of, so out of, stupid. out of the solar system. What's so stupid? Sending stuff out of the solar system? Sending stuff. I mean, it's just, a solution. getting, throwing our junk into space. It's a solution. It's not, it's not a very good one, though. Why not? Well, first of all, added carbon is never a good thing. What do you mean? Like, I just, I don't like the idea of making more carbon to shoot something out well, of the atmosphere. Well, we might, in some, in the future, we'll, we might find some way to send things out of the Earth that does not require mm-hmm. significant fuel burns the way it does now. True. Space hooks. Spa- you are... <laughs> yep. You got me. That's a, that is, wow, that is... I've said a lot of stupid things today, but that takes the cake, I think. That gakes the cake? Yes, that takes the cake. Uh, I said yes, I know. I know. Right. <laughs> uh, well, it's either A, uh, things need to be more efficient so we don't just dump fuel to get out to throw carbon away. Or, we need to throw more carbon away than we dump. Yeah. Which is possible. In theory, but like, I mean, it kind of... Uh, if I'm using a liter... if <laughs> Sorry. If I'm using a teaspoon to get rid of a liter... Is is kind of moot. I mean, you're still going to get rid of it, though. I mean, yeah, but still. Yeah. Nuclear rockets. There we go. That's the solution. But how do you even produce thrust? Have a have a fan spin really fast. Oh uh, yes, we got to the outer limits of the atmosphere, and uh, just just use, just use a turbocharger. Compress the air before it goes into the fan. <laughs> Alright, I'm back to being on top as far as saying stupid things today. That, okay, that is literally what they do for aircraft, though. Is they, when the air gets yeah, so thin, know, they know, compress it before it goes into the engine. Yeah, that's why their, uh... That's... A jet engine has grates between the fans. Yes. To help. Yep, yep. But... That would not work for a rocket that goes into space because there's no air in space. 
But yes. you could use the well, gas collected actually, as a thruster. Actually, if you get it going fast enough before it gets to that point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because it'll just keep going under if, its yeah, own momentum. If you get it going fast enough, so that even after air resistance, by the time you get out of Earth's atmosphere, it's still going 11 kilometers a second. It's still going to leave. Oh, it's yeah. just going to be just... It's like throwing a dart. <laughs> it will just leave and just go somewhere. Somewhere. As I say, just just shoot, just collect all your carbon dioxide, put it in a little canister, and then fire like, it off. Well, you see, the, the, the problem with the, the idea of burying it, though, is all the Greenpeace activists would get all over you. Why? Oh, you're putting pollution in the ground. Oh, but you're putting pollution into the carbon. into the earth. We need to start a stop. But it's not pollution. It's carbon. It's pollution. It's polluted air. It's polluted. This that's isn't healthy carbon, for the planet. You morons. Yes, I, I. You know that that's what they would say, though. You know that that they would. They get upset with us doing dealing with nuclear waste, Thomas. And those people deserve to be shot because nuclear. <laughs> they deserve it, to be. Here's, shot. A, here's a dirty little secret, kids. Most of the nuclear waste that comes out of our uh, power plants is how it's found in nature. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff that actually comes out of it that's oh that is actually dangerous, like cadmium, iridium, is only active for like 30 years. Or sorry, its half-life is about 30 years, so oh no, 90 years and it's almost nothing. Oh no. Well, in the case of iridium, oh hey, it's been eight days. That's only, that's actually, that would only be, you'd be... Twelve and a half percent of what you started with after ninety years. But that's basically nothing in the terms of power consumption. Well, in terms of yeah, but then why is is Chernobyl so irradiated just because there was so much shit that they had then, or is it because it was significantly more irradiated stuff or more dangerous stuff? Chernobyl is a bit of a well, obviously we know the mismanagement and all that stuff, but well, like yeah, as far as like time like, until it's inhabitable again, I mean, I mean technically it's inhabitable now, technically with no elevated risk of cancer. There's always elevated risk of cancer. Well, okay. When will Chernobyl become like Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Because Hiroshima and Nagasaki are now cities that yes. people live in, and there is, yeah. relatively speaking, no elevated risk of cancer compared to anywhere else. Well, there, obviously, it's very, very, very slightly. Well, first but we have to talk about the elephant's foot because the elephant's foot in the room because that's that's kind of important. A solid mass of uh, uranium and cadmium. Just burn it. Send it to space. <laughs> because yes, you can. Te- technically, you and I could live there and be almost fine. So long as we didn't go near the elephant's foot. So long as we just sort of stayed away from the coffin. Mm-hmm. That's what they. The power plant. Yeah. That's what they call it. That's um, one place I want to visit at some point. Is Chernobyl? You could go there. I know they do tours. Not to mention, you could literally go inside of the power plant. Well, not inside. They won't let you inside. But you could walk right up to it without any... Like, your Geiger counter would be kind of upset because it's five times background. But, like, I mean, if I wanted to get five times background, I'd jump into a plane. Or go smoke. Good point. Mm Mm-hmm. But, as I was saying... Yeah, no. So, you see, the problem is, is that what happened was when they released so many control rods, all they had were the uranium rods going absolutely buckwild. Well, yeah, but so how does that contribute to then people saying? Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you finish. My apologies. So the uranium loosed from its containment. It got too hot and loosed from its containment, which caused a steam explosion. Yep. Which jettisoned out a bunch of uranium two three five. Uranium two three. Uranium two thirty five. Yes. 
That's correct. And as well as the cadmium and whatnot else. Mm -hmm. The initial deadly stuff mm -hmm. came from all those from all the other unstable isotopes that are created during it. Mm -hmm. But what's going to cause the real hell now is just how much uranium was actually loosed that day. Okay. And the uranium dust that sort of fell. Yeah, because there is, like, people, there are pe lots of people say, oh, it won't be inhabitable for the next 10,000 years or something like that. Those people are fucking stupid. And They're more a hundred, you'd be fine. I could probably walk through it with mm -hmm. no problem. I wouldn't want to eat anything grown in the soil because of bioaccumulation, but other than that. Yeah, don't want to have um, a carrot with two carrots. Because the obvious example is like a squirrel with three eyes or something like that. But there's no real easy thing. You pull a carrot out of the ground and it's white. Yeah. Oh shit, white carrots are a thing, aren't they? Uh, Queen Anne's lace. Yep. Ah, oh, damn. You pull a carrot out of the ground and it's blue. And That'd that would be, be cool. really That'd weird. Be cool. Because blue shows up in nature almost none. There's very, very few instances of actual blue. Like, blueberries are purple. Yep. Anything that you would think is blue, is actually probably purple. There are very, very few instances... Which is weird, because purple was the royal color. Yes. Well, it the should reason have been... why is because the only thing that was actually capable of producing it... Because mm -hmm. you have to remember, I believe blueberries actually came, started in North America. Did they? I, I think. I, could I wouldn't wrong. be surprised. So the point is, the only thing that they really knew that could do that mm -hmm. were slugs in the Mediterranean, <laughs> which secreted a purple ooze, mm -hmm. making them... The, making the price for their dye three times worth what their weight in gold was. Huh. Yeah. Here's three slugs, here's a golden slug. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it's... It's it's sad to me. If I... If I become the all-powerful ruler... I wouldn't I, want to live in that world, I'm sorry. I wouldn't want to live in it either. Well, no, I would. Nobody yes, else would. Exactly. No, I... Okay, if I was the all-powerful ruler, I would just make, like, five more nuclear plants. Yeah. And then, boom. We have so much power, we're selling it off to other countries and making profit out of it, probably more than we would from the oil sands. Yeah. And then... The final product is always worth more than refined... than stuff set for refinement. Yeah. The only, the only reason the oil sands is good is because there's so much there and it's... Yeah. It's worth accessing because you can... It stimulates the economy in an area that typically doesn't have an economic stimulus. Yep. But I would build so many more nuclear plants. Like, I'd put some in Ontario, put some in... Like, put at least one in every single province. And territory. Um, who, need, who, needs, who needs cooling up north? <laughs> we'll just let it, let it be open air cooling. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah, bud. Uh, you got a Canadian power plant there, eh? Or, sorry... Hey, you got a Canadian power plant there. Oh, yeah, it's great in the wintertime. We just open up the flocks and, you know, she cools herself down. Won't have to worry about a tsunami coming and bringing in the cooling. But yeah, but what about, what about Chernobyl? Well, that was mismanagement and also someone removing almost every control rod from a reactor causing a steam explosion. Yeah, but what about uh, Fukushima? Uh, Do I, you don't... I don't know about you, but I'm not expecting a tsunami to hit all the way inland into Ontario. I don't know. Not to mention, you know... Most of the people who died from Fukushima were elderly people who died on the march and on the move out from stress. And almost no one so far has had any terrible, like... Well, there were a few. There were the people that, like, were in the reactor that had yeah, to physically yeah, yeah, go yeah, in yeah, and yeah. deal with it. That were like, okay, you know what? 
I'm already irradiated. I'm going to go even get myself yeah, yeah, more yeah, irradiated yeah. because all, like, they were basically, well, they did the idea like, odds are I'm going to die anyways. I I'm going to go at least fix it. I meant in the general Yeah, the area of Fukushima. The, yeah, it's basically. There's almost no elevated risk of cancer because of how they cleaned it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And nobody's talking about it anymore. People talk about Chernobyl because. And Three Mile Island. And. Yeah, that too. But you know what? Here's something actually that a lot of people forget. Mm-hmm. Thorium is the is the nuclear of the future. You think so? Yes. Why do you say that? It pr- CERN estimates that one ton of thorium can produce as much as or equal to, I think it was either 10 or 100 tons of uranium in terms of power generation. Yeah, but thorium's a lot harder to find. No, it's not. It's four times more abundant than uranium, and it doesn't have to go through enrichment. Then what's the issue? What Then what's the catch? The reason the catch is they're untested since the 60s. Because mm-hmm. in the 60s, mm-hmm. it was a lot easier to say, okay, we're digging up this much uranium, we're going to enrich it, and then maybe we're making bombs, maybe we're making power plants, I don't know. It was a lot easier to hide how much they were actually, what they were actually putting it towards. Because, oh yeah, but you can't make a, can you make a nuclear bomb out of thorium? No, but you can't, but it's fertile, not fissile. You need a bit of plutonium to help jumpstart the reaction. Hmm. So it's a lot harder to do it, and that's why, you know, that's another good point. I mean, you can't make a nuclear reactor out of... Or, sorry, you can't make a nuclear bomb out of a uranium one unless you literally just put it down because all the byproducts you get out of it are basically inert. Mm Mm-hmm. Or not worth making. Well, it's not even that. It's about it's just the release of energy. Yeah. Right. So if thorium is more potent, then hypothetically it could be more of a. But again, it's not fissile. It's fertile. It requires helper material to actually get to cranken. Well, why don't they just like put one gram of plutonium in there and then boom, big but if bomb. You're putting in a plant. Big bomb explode. Apparently, my dog's going buck wild. Yep. Anyway, big bomb explode big. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's like a, a pound of plutonium is already pretty uh, close to its, uh, what do you call it, critical mass. Critical mass of what? To cause a runaway chain reaction that will cause it to explode. Do you know how nuclear power plants work? I know exactly how nuclear, well, to an extent. So, I'll explain for the audience, just in case. So basically, uranium mm-hmm. is a element that decays. Yes. Right? So spontaneously it'll lose protons, electrons, well, protons. Neutrons. Neutrons. Yes. My apologies. Because if you lose protons... Well, no, it doesn't lose protons. Well, it breaks... That's why it's radioactive, is because it breaks down and emits... uh, emits When a neutron hits... Yes, I was going to get... a, A core, it breaks up into two, releasing neutrons and creating two new elements, two new... Uh, two new... Two daughters. Yes, but I, I, I was thinking of nuclei. Yes, two new atomic nuclei, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to come up with the word for. Well, yeah. That is correct. So what they do is they basically shoot... The, the reason that uranium creates a chain reaction is because whenever you shoot it with a neutron, it releases two neutrons. Mm-hmm. Which means that then, boom, now you're hitting one, and that one can affect two, and those two can affect four, and those four affect eight. Mm-hmm. Exponential growth, so on and so on. And that's why you but need simply, what are known as control rods, which are lead rods. Which stop the neutrons from hitting the yes. uranium. 
And that's why uh, Fukushima, or, or not Fukushima, Chernobyl got so... Because there was just no stopping the reaction. They pulled all the yeah. stupid control rods out. Well, not all, but a good majority but, of them. In, uh, they pulled enough of them out that it was unrepairable or yeah. unrecoverable. But there's nothing about that that says there's some amount that you can have before it just starts going on its own. It needs that initial activation. If you have some well, no, unactivated uranium, it's not going to just suddenly uranium start... Uranium-235 is what's known as an, is an unstable. It's Right. It takes time... But it will eventually kickstart itself on its own. Same with plutonium, same with well, iridium, it won't, cadmium. It won't necessarily. Certain, certain it, isotopes of uranium. It kickstarts itself because it shoots out a neutron. It will, well, one of them, it, yeah. uranium-235 will shoot out a neutron, become uranium-234 plus a neutron. That neutron can then hit another uranium piece. Yes, which will eventually so the, cause the run. So there's no technical critical mass. It's just that at some point, the probability of that happening is quite high. Yes. So... And at a certain heat, because heat also affects the reaction. Yeah, because heat will heat will cause bombs work. Yeah, well, heat will cause the the neutron to move faster, mm-hmm. which means even if it hits, it's much more likely to break. Yeah, which is one of the reasons a uh, nuclear bomb, or at least the old, uh, the, I should say, the original nuclear bombs, mm-hmm. not thermonuclear bombs, those are basically dropped uh, either a plutonium core or a uh, uranium or a uranium core into basically a donut. That was extremely hot, mm-hmm. and that's what caused your reaction. Okay, because at that point it had what's uh, a critical mass. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah, you're talking about like the they drop that could like World War Two. They dropped the bomb, and hitting the bomb, the bomb hitting the ground is what exploded it. Right? It actually never hit the ground. Really, it was timed. No, it had a sensor in it, like a computer sensor. In the forties, I don't believe you. Yeah, that. Basically shot down the core while, like, like uh, it detonated. Okay, it wouldn't have been a computer sensor. It would have been, like, more of a physical, this yeah, happens yeah, no. after it hits this velocity downwards or something no, like that. No, it, it was, because uh, it was a that, pressure sensor, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. That basically fi- Oh, yeah, that makes like sense. It, yeah, it's just, like, a pressure sensor that comes down, and it's, as soon as it gets mm. to a certain point, and it's like, oh, we're low enough now, the yeah. pressure's not high, then it drops the thing, yeah. But... Because I was going to say, the first computer was in 41, and that was yeah. the size of a room to do to, yeah, yeah. to, to just run numbers. Yep. But no, uh, what we're talking about is, uh, because you have to remember, a nuclear you don't want a nuclear bomb to hit the ground. You want it to explode in the air above the yeah, city. Yeah, it's much more effective. So, yeah. Yeah. Bottom, bottom line, nuclear power the way of the future. Yeah. And it's... Right, that's what I was, yeah, I would have so many nuclear power plants, I think you would drive, you know how, like, the Simpsons, how, like, they all work at the nuclear power plant? Yeah. It would be like that, but for every town. Every single town, everyone works at the nuclear power plant. (laughs) I'm telling you, the first country that, like, really gets down to building, like, investing in nuclear power... Which, because I think, like... It would make a lot more sense to do that on Afro-Eurasia than it would... America. Why do you say that? Because you wouldn't have to lay a cord down either side of the ocean, which might, which is a great place for energy loss to occur. A cure, apparently. What, what, what do you mean? So you wouldn't have to lay a cord down. How are you going to get the energy from mm-hmm. Canada yep. to Britain? Well, then the question, if you're in Afro-Eurasia, how do you get the energy from Britain to Canada? Well, that's what I'm See, saying the, is... Either way... It has the most... Yeah. ...to put it on land and actually have it in a decent... Well, they did it for fiber optics. Yes, but fiber optics are different. Yes, but you're right. But what all I'm saying is, there if there's a financial incentive, 
which there absolutely will be the first company, the first country that really starts going ham on nuclear power and then selling their nuclear power. There will be a plants. large, really? Yeah. How many nuclear plants do they have? Any idea? They very basically, and this is something I I I love to point out to people just to see them sort of gawk at me, is France and Germany did the opposite thing in the past twenty years. Germany invested he- or in the past ten years. Germany invested heavily in renewables mm-hmm. and got fucked for it because their cost is was higher and their maintenance is yeah, higher. And a lot well, for a while, cost. Germany was like selling on was like. Yep. Positive, like in the in the in the and in the black. France did the opposite. Mm-hmm. They invested in nuclear energy and closed down a lot of their renewables. And I think they're like something between seventy or eighty percent nuclear. And they are basically the power distributor for much of continental the, uh, Europe. Uh, I was going to say the European Union, but yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. The thing to me is that people. I don't know. It's not even. It's weird because it's one of those issues that cannot be explained by party lines. What, like, nuclear power? Yeah. Yeah. Because you can explain, like, fossil fuels versus renew- renewable energies is typically it's the the left wing that wants more renewables, like more mm-hmm. hydropower, more wind farms, yep. solar power, you know. And typically it's the right wing who does not want to do that and well, wants to stop the... sub- wants to stop the... Well, there's twofold because of that. One, it's because the right is very... Specifically in what I'll call the main sequence of our geopolitical landscape. Yeah. The right tends to be very, ah, fuck me, I feel very... Wow, you, I was going to say, dude, you said like five billion, like a five billion syllable long word. You must feel like the smartest man. You want your monocle? Do you want a monocle? Yes, please. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we're saying, um, in the main sequence of that hellscape, um, <laughs> the more left you go, typically the more authoritarian you become, following more of the socialism and yeah. communism route and vice versa. Exactly. Well, yeah, when people think left and right, people, when we, when we're talking about po- political parties, mm-hmm. typically, okay, for the states, typically the, 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 the Democrats are more authoritarian and li- and left and the Republicans are usually more liberal or libertarian and right wing. Yes. There don't really exist any authoritarian right wing parties or really any libertarian well, yeah, left wing parties. Because if they are, they are immediately fascist, which is kind of true. Libertarian kind left? Sorry, no, I meant... Okay, yes, authoritarian right. right, yeah. And libertarian left? Well, I guess the Christians. Well, not I say the Christians. I mean, what I mean by that Certain is, you know... Sect of the Christians. The, the Christians who want push. to dictate their moral... Let their morality dictate what everyone else can and can't do. True. That is authoritarian in nature. And I don't yeah. agree... I don't yeah. personally yeah. don't like it. Um, But it's weird because the Democrats slash left wing mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the, the Republicans slash right wing don't like nuclear power at all. Yeah. Well, some Republicans and some Democrats do. The smart ones. Of course. Because they realize, you know what? Well, that's also this where is so much better. Play. Yep. Which exactly. I, I, I always laugh at people and say, well, you know, socialism is socialism, this, communism, that, whatever, whatever, whatever. So, but you people all seem to somehow forget. What do you mean, you people? I'm talking about every, a lot of people in general. Seem to forget that no matter what you want to implement, you have to rely on people not being good people and that the government or whatever body of authority you give power to will inevitably mm-hmm. well the trick is then to... just find find not good people whose interests align with yours yes except the fact that nobody's going to be like perfectly good hearted and everyone wants something for themselves i was more so sad. i was more so going on the line of that's why you should be libertarian <laughs> yes that is what yeah i was listening to a podcast and someone said and someone said 
I'd rather vote for the moron that doesn't want to control my life than the moron that does want to control my life. Yep. And that's why I am a libertarian. <laughs> well, I'm not, I am not a capital L libertarian, but that's why I am yeah, libertarian yeah, yeah, yeah. in my political beliefs most of the time. We're not a par- member of the libertarian party. We are libertarian. <laughs> yes, neither n- neither Thomas nor I smoke weed. Thought. Neither Thomas nor I smoke weed, so we're not allowed entry into the libertarian party. No, but I do do brew my own alcohol. Yeah, that is true. Thomas might be able to get in on that. <laughs> All right, well, I think we've gone on long enough, about an hour, a little less. Indeed. Uh, so, um, this has been a cosmic handful of nonsense. At least we... this seems a lot more directed than our previous podcast. We've stayed on Indeed. topic, mostly, beyond the, so, uh... the beyond the rant about shooting stuff into space. Yeah. All right, so, we, we'd, like to, for... they, <laughs> we'd like to thank you guys for listening again. Um, if you liked it, feel free to share it with your friends, give us a positive rating, and make sure to tune in for the next episode. We hope you enjoyed our observations on the carbon tax. Yes. Well, I should say, I suppose, climate change in general, but this was very aloof. Yes. Thanks, thanks for listening, and have a good day, everyone.